Hello and welcome to the Belmont Journal, your source for hyperlocal news and community updates. I'm Mike Crowley, your host this week. Be sure to check out the Belmont Media Center's show, Contemporary Science Issues and Innovations. In the latest program, producer Yvonne Stapp speaks with Dr. Philippe Grangin about, about perfluorinated compounds and their prevalence in the environment as well as the risk that they pose to our health. You'll want to catch that on the Belmont Media Center's channels or website, and we have some highlights from the program for you. That the molecule is uh, essentially resistant to even acids and uh, ultraviolet light, etc. Good heavens. Yes. So, so they are very persistent in the environment and in our bodies. Yeah. What are they found in? Well, they, they come from a variety of sources, and, but because they're so useful, they, they are also used in, in uh, you know, uh, all sorts of food wrapping materials, yeah. uh, and like, like flour bags. Uh, they're used in, in uh, baking uh, paper. Yes, um, uh, you know, anything to kind of resist water or moisture exactly. or something. Oh, it, okay, it, they are water repellent. They're also fat repellent. Yeah, and they even appear in human milk, and and we have um, examined blood samples from infants, and and we can see that uh, the longer they are breastfed, the higher the blood concentration of these compounds. Could you tell us what happened and the impact on the scientific community, which was your big point? Companies, of course, did some uh, animal studies to uh, get an understanding of um, uh, whether these compounds were bad in one way or another. And, and they apparently had some surprises that <laughs> these compounds were not as safe as they mm -hmm, believed mm -hmm. and, and uh, thought they might be. The Environmental Protection Agency um, uh, realized, uh, you know, uh, with many years of delay, that this information existed, and supposedly the the companies uh, should have reported this to the EPA and and didn't. Uh. Welcome to this week in the Belmont Citizen Herald, and welcome back, Joanna Jubilus, senior multimedia journalist with the Citizen Herald, and you can also find Joanna's writing online at belmont.wickedlocal.com. Thank Welcome you, back, Joanna. Thank you, Michael. So the we, we had a school committee meeting. Um, First one of the new academic year. Right. And um, the, the superintendent had some interesting things to say there. Do you want to talk about? Sure. Okay. So he presented what he's calling Belmont's Alternative Capacity Challenge Plan. Mm -hmm. It's a three-phase plan, and this would go into effect if the debt exclusion November 6th for the grade 7 to 12 high school doesn't pass. Okay, so this this is in essence his response to, you know, if if the if the if the voters don't approve the the debt financing for the new mm -hmm. 7 through 12 school, what does the district need to do? Yes, and this was he did a lot of research. Uh-huh. Um, before giving this presentation, he consulted with a lot of the towns, you know, consulting companies. And a lot of people have been wondering, so what would it cost the town? Because we're still facing mm -hmm. continued growth. Right. So the, it, the new grade 7 to 12 high school would cost the town $213 million. Right. That's with the $80 million state grant. If the debt exclusion doesn't pass, then you're looking at a plan that would take about 
10 years to complete versus the five years for mm -hmm. the grade seven to 12 high new, new building. Right. 10 years and $247 million. So more cost. And, and no state reimbursement. More cost to the town. Right. Um, additional years of, well, construction chaos. Years. Right. Uh, it's a three-phase plan. Do you want me to tell you about each yes, of the phases? Yes. Okay, so the first phase would be more of a short-term solution. It would probably be completed in about 2021. It would cost Belmont taxpayers 21 to $24 million. Right. And it would be for more modular classrooms to be added on to the Chenery Middle School and Belmont High School. Right, and, and I believe the superintendent has also said he doesn't know where he would find the space for those modulars, but obviously they'd have to. Right, and the second phase would be a renovation and addition to the Chenery Middle School, and that's more of a long-term solution. It would cost $20 million, mm -hmm. and that wouldn't be completed until around 2025. Again, multiple votes would be required for approval on that. Right. And the third phase would be to renovate and add on to the high school building. And that would cost $203 million, no state reimbursement, and would not be completed until 2028. So, so what, what's important, I mean, one of the important messages in this, I think, is that, you know, the condition of that existing high school is, is, is so serious that, you know, whether... Well, it doesn't... It doesn't I mean, he did a presentation on that as uh -huh. well, talking how it's not ADA compliant. Right. And it's not um, the teaching and learning curriculum. It's, it's not there, there benefiting that in any way. There are asbestos problems. So he went through that whole uh -huh. presentation about why. But mainly what it all comes down to is enrollment. And enrollment is not slowing down until at least 2024. We currently have about close to 4,700 students in the Belmont School Buildings. Um, so these modulars um, that they just put at the Burbank are, are helping, but again, it's just a temporary solution right. and growth is not going to slow down and that's why there's this um, alternative capacity challenge plan and that would only be if the debt exclusion didn't, didn't pass. Well, thank you, Joanna. I'm sure we'll be talking about this again and we'll see you next time. Looking forward to it. Okay. Parents of Musician Students is a parent community organization that raises money to support music education in the Belmont Public Schools. One of the ways they raise money is by operating the Snack Shack at Harris Field. Joanna Jubilus met with them there, and we have some video. POMS is an organization, the parents of music students, who help support the teachers in the grammar school, middle school, and high school to bring them kind of what they are looking for and support in any kind of way. That, and try. So we also run the Snack Shack during the football season. We got involved with Parents of Music students um, when our son was freshman year and we were asked to maybe help out with the Snack Shack during the football games because the marching band is involved at the football games. Um, so we said, okay. But and it turned out did to we be, know. little did we know what a big undertaking it is. It's a big job. And the person before us did this for, what, 11 years? Yes. For 11 years. God bless his soul. <laughs> so Mark is the organizer extraordinaire. He runs it as if it's a business. Um, he has his lists and his charts and his statistics and all of that so that we know from week to week, from year to year, what, what's expected. But we started early on yep. getting organized, getting the menus. We do a lot of shopping. We go to a 
couple of different restaurant stores and supply stores. Uh, we order things, some things we have to order online. And we dragged our daughter the other day and we had two huge racks to load up between sodas and waters and Gatorades and hot dogs and pretzels and popcorn and what else did I cover it all? Yeah, that's um, candy. <laughs> and then we have Nick's Pizza, who is wonderfully supportive. Uh, Rita and her family, they just do a wonderful job supporting us, delivering us pizza, and staying on top of it with us. And, and we have a lot of volunteer help. We have about seven uh, parent volunteers every time there's a home game. This year we have Thanksgiving, so uh, we need a lot more volunteers for Thanksgiving. We don't exactly know how Palms became involved with supporting the Snack Shack, but they were asked to do it and they've done it for a number of years. And um, it happens during halftime when the marching band's on the field. And it's just a kind of, it's turned into a group of people that really enjoy kind of hanging out and helping out Palms and spending some time <laughs> inside. Oh my goodness, it's the most fun volunteer ever. I didn't know anything about volunteering at Snack Shack. There's a sea of people that are all buying candies and you're doing change really fast. And it's so much fun. It's not at all work. Welcome to this week in the Belmontonian. And welcome back, Franklin Tucker, editor. Happy to see you again. Yes, well, uh, nice to see you too. It's the fall, and uh, hopefully uh, we'll get a little cooler temperatures around here. I think it's it's starting. Yes. Uh, so, so Waverly Square, South Pleasant Street. What's happening there? Um, well, well, as 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 probably as many people know. Uh, uh, the planning board has has uh, is is moving uh, aggressively to um, uh, place an overlay district uh, mm -hmm. along a lot of what uh, along a, a a good portion of South Pleasant Street, basically to promote um, uh, construction in that area, mm -hmm. the development. Um, at their last meeting, what they did is they expanded that. They mm -hmm. expanded the the area where that uh, where that. Um, uh, develop where that overlay district will, will include. So they're going not they're they're not just stopping. They they had stopped at the um, uh, where the car wash was. Okay. Now they're extending that all the way down from the car wash, down um, Trapello Road, uh -huh. uh, where Star Market is, all the way to the Getty Station. So you're putting a large swath of of new land under that uh, overlay district that it in itself will promote uh, uh, development. And that the reason they did that is uh, under the under the past plan. You really didn't have that connection between South Pleasant Street and Waverly Square, which they, which the planning board and I think everybody in town would like to mm -hmm. see developed in a, in a new way. And we saw we saw that with uh, the the first development uh, from uh, Joe DiStefano, the uh, re, uh, some um, a residential area, uh, residential um, development in that area. So is this like a necessary first step to happen, if if um, people or or, or firms? want to come in with proposals affecting that area for redevelopment. Yes, a perfect example is the assisted living center that has been the first um, uh, development that they pr that is being proposed there by okay. the people over at uh, Belmont Manor. Um, under the current zoning, which is an LB2, uh, I believe, um, they, they would have to go for uh, special permits, but under an LB1, which they would put the overlay on, okay. so then you could build anything with an LB1, they, they fit. And, okay. and they don't have to go for for uh, special permits, which would cause delays, and, and it's a, it's a lengthy process. Okay. Uh, so it, it's a it's a it's a idea of where the planning board and I believe 
developers would would wanted to see. I mean, there's there's no no one saying that uh, Star Market is uh, mm -hmm. is under is under uh, a sale or anything like that. But it just uh, helps uh, developers uh, understand what they can build in that area, okay. and it expands again all the way to Waverly Square. So, in coming years, we can see some changes, or it's more likely, perhaps, that we'll see some changes. Um, uh, as as was reported in the Belmontonian a year and a half ago, the uh, the landowners uh, in that area, uh, other than uh, uh, the Subaru um, uh -huh. uh, car dealership, um, they're all uh, ready to um, uh, develop. Okay. Um, Let's talk about broadband um, in Belmont, mm -hmm. and, and this is, uh, just for disclosure, this is something I've written a little bit about mm -hmm. um, in terms of some of its advantages. What What's happening now? Uh, it, very quietly, uh, Belmont Light and uh, the new uh, general uh, manager, Chris Roy, uh -huh. has stated that um, he's interested in maybe uh, uh, moving forward to do what he did in, in Concord, which is basically bring broadband through the cable network uh, to every home in Belmont. So, so they and when we mean by broadband, it's a, it basically would be a, an internet um, connection. Yeah. Uh, so, so actually, I, I think what they've done in in Concord is they've actually laid fiber optic line. They're mm -hmm. not they're not piggybacking. At That's all right. You would have to, but but they are piggybacking on the exact on the existing lines they have. Uh -huh. So they don't have to put new poles or anything like that. And they right. Right. And, and what that would do is, um, uh, of course, you know, people who work at home or, you know, if you want to uh, cut your cord, this is perfect. You know, you get right. rapid. Uh, right. And, 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 and I know from talking with, with some neighbors that there, there are some parts of town um, where uh, people are locked into one vendor. I mean, we generally have two vendors who, who, who provide Internet service mm -hmm. here, Comcast and Verizon. Um, um, there, there are some streets that Verizon won't service. I don't know if we also have some streets where the, the opposite is true, but um, then, then we also have fairly high rates for service. So we do. It's, it's, one, of the, it's one of the reasons why they, they, they moved in Concord. Um, uh, the, the prices uh, for Internet only will be a little bit higher than the going rate, that, which they did in Concord. But uh -huh. he's, uh, what Mr. Roy said is that in Concord, they did not see any pushback. They, they said it, was, it just became a very favored way of, uh, of giving their internet. All right. Well, thank you, Franklin. No, thank you. Okay. The Belmont Gallery of Art has a new exhibit, Rhythm and Hues, with special guest Woody Giesman. Rebecca Richards, the gallery director, spoke with Woody about the exhibit. I'd like to welcome everybody to our new fall show, Rhythm and Hues, Art Inspired by Music. This show features over 40 artists interpreting how music affects their art. We'd like to take people through the show to see how eclectic it is. We have a variety of both 3D and 2D work in the show. We have painting, photography, printmaking, assemblage, and textile art. And we have a special featured guest in the show, Woody Giesman. His art is featured in the main gallery as well as the East Gallery here at the BGA. I'm a, a painter and a musician. Some, most of you may know me from, you know, from my work with, uh, as a musician with a, a band called the Del Fuegos. Really an enjoyable uh, career playing music and touring with Tom Petty and the Kinks and ZZ Top and, and some of the, you know, performing with some of the subjects to my paintings, including Trombone Shorty and, and uh, you know, New Orleans plays a theme throughout my, uh, my work as well. So a lot of my work you'll find that I, 
I did want to, to, to leave the painting up, you know, and give the viewer credit and allow them to finish the painting. It was really, for me, it was about capturing the spirit of, of, the, uh, of the, the subject matter. Well, I think that my art is really therapy, but my art is about my, my love and my joy for not only music, but f for the painters. And I want to celebrate creativity. As a man in long-term recovery, um, you know, I've been, I faced my own addiction 29, uh, 28 years ago. And um, after, uh, you know, since I've been in recovery, I want to celebrate my creativity. I want to celebrate my music and I want to celebrate my art. I have a lot to live for here, you know. I first saw Woody Geesman's work in person, I was really struck by there was a certain, as he said, a spirit to the painting, and I really thought there was a lot of movement. That was one of the things I was really drawn to. I think when you look at his paintings of the musicians from New Orleans, I can really hear them playing the music. I mean, there's something, there's an aliveness to the paintings that I really enjoy, and I think that visitors will also respond to that. The Stage Ensemble Theater Unit or SETU is a community theater company in Belmont committed to bridging the gap between Indian and Western culture. We spoke to Subrata Das, play director, about their upcoming performance called The Fire and the Rain. Hello everyone, uh, my name is uh, Subrata Das and I'm representing SETU, SCTU, Stage Ensemble Theater Unit. Um, it's an organization based in Belmont. We have more than 200 members and we stage drama two or three times every year. The forthcoming one is The Fire and the Rain and it will be on September 22nd and 23rd here uh, at Belmont Town Hall Theatre. This is an all-female cast uh, play uh, with about uh, you know 18 actors and about nine or ten dancers, so it's a large cast. Um, the play is about a uh, sacrificial ritual is going to take place to bring rain, a, a region where you know it has not rained for more than seven years. It's very dramatic, it has lust, it has revenge, uh, it has love, it has everything. So the, all the actors are volunteers, no one gets paid because we are a community theater and our mission is really to bridge the cultural gap between India and the Western society. So this play is actually uh, happened, you know, the plot is in India, yeah. So it's it's an Indian play, but we perform in English. Uh, in the in the play itself, there are male characters, there are female characters, but there all the male characters are being played by female. The reason is basically um, giving women a voice and uh, hopefully empowering women. So that's the bottom line. The play was set, um, you know. 2,000 years ago, but the messages uh, are still relevant today. And now it's time for our community calendar with Jane Peters of everything interesting happening in Belmont this week. Hi everybody, I'm Jane and this is your community calendar for this week. Enjoy a sweet presentation by Follow the Honey that includes a tasting of honey varietals from inside and outside the U.S. Learn about the growing conditions in different botanicals and regions, as well as the economic and environmental challenges for honeybees on Tuesday at 1.15 at the Beach Street Center. Enjoy a free movie at the Beach Street Center on Friday at 1 p.m. 
Darkest Hour is the dramatic and inspiring story of four weeks in 1940 in which Churchill's courage to lead changed the course of world history. Teens can kayak the Charles with Habitat on Saturday from 8.30 to 1.30. Learn about the history and use of this well-known river before conducting a round of water quality tests. Lunch will be provided. Teens can register at massautobahn.org. And adults can take part in yoga and mindfulness in nature at Habitat from 9.30 to 11. Relax with a 45-minute slow and gentle yoga class before heading outside to explore the trails. Be sure to dress comfortably for indoors with layers and footwear for outdoors. Cushing Square's second annual fall festival is almost here. On Saturday from 11 to 4, you can enjoy amusement rides, a petting zoo, dog costume show, stilt walking classes, and more. Be sure to stop by Belmont Journal's table to meet the crew and try your hand at hosting a segment. The Higginbottom Pool opened for the season on September 10th, and the Winter Fieldhouse opens next week on Monday. Adults interested in learning the basics of swimming can register for adult swim lessons through the Recreation Department. The next session takes place on Saturday at 4.45. And you can register for a variety of sports in the Winter Fieldhouse this fall and winter through the Rec Department. Family Open Gym Nights will take place on Thursdays from 7.30 to 9.30. Learn more and register on the Rec Department's website. And that's all for this week. If you'd like your event featured in Belmont Journal's community calendar, you can email your event info to jane at belmontmedia.org. Welcome to Sports with the Belmont Journal. On September 7th, Belmont High School played a home game with Milton. It was a close game against a really good team, but Belmont won 31-28. We have some video from the game. Second down and 10, O'Connell uh, again the deep back here in the eye and back to throw for the first time this year is Arno. He's looking deep and it is caught and it is a touchdown! And so here we go, fourth down and Marauders will be going for it here. Handoff goes to Rakai Joseph, big hold, he'll get the first down and now more maybe, breaking tackles, he's in the open field! Uh, just the, uh, the the physical traits and uh, the running ability. Here's a uh, little pop-up kick from Trout. Fumbled, ball's loose, it's still bouncing around. The Marauders have recovered, I believe. Okay, here we go. This might be the last play of the first half. Third and goal from the two. Arno back to throw, looking over the touchdown, Zachary Hubbard. It's gonna be a 26-yarder. Or uh, maybe almost a, actually caught a 27-yarder. Snap was bobbled. The kick, the snap down, the goes up. It's good. With 8:10 to go in the clock running, it's a line drive kick, That's and it'll take nice a kick. nice bounce. And uh, oh. pick it up, and no, he tried to pick it up. It's fumbled. Another special teams turnover. Oh, night tonight. And here's the handoff on first and ten to Killian O'Connell. He's in the open field. O'Connell down to the ten. And caught a touchdown from Arno tonight. It's Hubbard. Touchdown, Marauders! Second touchdown of the night for Zachary Hubbard. Game, when you're at home and you put up 31 points in a game, you got to win that game. This is where they have to learn to finish. This is where they have to learn to close out a game. Let's see if the defense can make some plays. And the uh, it is intercepted. Just a great shot. The Wildcats are good. Wow. Talk about a Wildcat offense. It's a game right here. There he is. Fourth and goal. Marlowe's got to make the stop here. Throw to the end zone. The receiver's open. Oh, he has a complete. We end the show with a programming update for your Belmont Media Center channels. 
be sure to watch. And if you have any news or community updates or would like to get involved in the program, please contact Frederic Rigolo at fred at belmontmedia.org. That's all for now, and I hope to see you next time.